Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Kevin Hart. He is CEO at Green Check Verified. We're going to talk to him about the world of cannabis, the world of finance, obviously a really fascinating part of the cannabis industry. Also a bit of a challenge for many people in the cannabis industry. It's dealing with all the financial institutions and the financial processes. I think as people know, the, the federal illegal status of cannabis makes it kind of challenging for multiple reasons uh, for finance, but it's, it's growing, it's changing, it's evolving. We'll see. There's been some legislation suggestions. Uh, you know, Things don't seem to be passing very quickly, but there's various efforts. Um, but Kevin and I are going to talk a little bit about how the world of financing cannabis has played out, where are we now, and then hopefully... We can figure out a little bit where we're going or potentially where we're going and when. So excited for this. It's a big part of cannabis and a really important part of cannabis. So with that, Kevin, welcome to the program. Oh, good morning, Bruce. And thank you very much. Very happy to be here. Yeah, pleasure having you on. So before I dive into cannabis and finance today, let's do a little bit of background. How did you get into finance? How do you get into cannabis? Give us the backstory. Well, uh, I've been involved in enterprise technology for four decades now. I'm, uh, I'm one of the white hairs, uh, both <laughs> physically, physically and in terms of tenure. Yeah. And uh, I've uh, 
worked with global software companies, taken one public, exited a few to publicly traded companies, spent about 10 years with VCs, private equity folks, looking at their portfolio of founder, founder-based companies and how to scale them. So I've made a lot of mistakes myself over the years. I've seen a lot of mistakes, and that all led me at one point to, I was the CEO of a company called TechServe, which was based in New York City, and it was the largest independent Apple reseller in the world. No, and that yeah just a super cool place and you know shout out to the founders of that that company what they did amazing people david lerner and dick Domenis. but anyways as part of me being there as the ceo this was at the advent of ipads and the app store etc and it led to the ipads in the airports and um which really had a profound impact on uh, consumer ingestion of opportunity yeah and Wherever those iPads were present, actually, they saw a 40 plus percent increase in passenger revenue. So those were the true metrics. And so more than what anything was anticipated. And you have a captive audience. And so I was approached to build a point of sale system for the cannabis industry. You know, what I knew about pot, what I had forgot back in the 80s, (laughs) you know, unlike Bill Clinton, I inhaled. (laughs) But I forgot it. And. Uh, so uh, I, I started flying around and I spent a lot of time actually at Harborside out yeah. in, in Oakland. Oakland. If you want to yeah. learn something, go to the biggest, go with the OGs and see what the pain points were. And at that point in time, they were already on their third point of sale. I like to study the industry. I'm more interested in business and data solutions yeah. than technology. Technology is merely the enabler. Yeah. Um, so I don't get too hung up on that. You know, We know we can do anything with technology. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I kept hearing about banking, 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 and there were a couple of manifesting proof points within those conversations with Safe Harbor. And I was like, okay, from my seat then, you know, the obvious growth of the cannabis industry was real. The fact that banking was and still, we're talking about it now, (laughs) six years later, it still remains this challenge. And anytime you can place yourself at that inflection point of what's the major problem in a scaling industry, and there's no clear path to the solution because you have these two highly regulated industries that would love to be able to work together, but they just won't be able to figure out how. That's going to be the challenge. You know, that's a really cool data business problem to solve. And then you overlay technology to how you optimize it, how do you scale it, and you know how do you drive the cost down, which is one of the great things that technology does. Yep. And so that became the genesis point. So on a, one of the last trips from out to uh, Harborside, I still use composition books, uh, a little <laughs> sure. bit of an old school uh, piece there. I yep. filled up a book on the, on the red eye home, didn't sleep a wink, it just just ideas, ideations, et cetera. And that became the starting point for where we are today. Yeah. yeah. And so when was that and, and what what did it take to actually get things going? We went how how did the early stage of the company play out? So I'm a you know, again, I live my life with begin with the end in mind, especially with uh, you know, with companies, et cetera. What yeah. what do you ultimately want to do? And design your company first before you build your product. You know, back to my VC private banker, you know, uh, yeah. founderitis days, right? <laughs> you know, people would write code and they're like, okay, now we're going to sell it. Well, who are you going to sell it to? What, what's the problem you're going to solve? And so yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, spent, we spent two plus years designing how the company should work. And, but we didn't do it in a cocoon, right? I know what yeah. I know. And I raised two hands and say, this is what I don't know. And so I surrounded myself with really much smarter people than me. 
uh, and mm-hmm. people that know banking at a much more intimate level, all the way up to and including people that are senior examiners at the Federal Reserve. And then on the other side, we went to folks who had actually written state programs for the cannabis industry, medical yep. evolving to, to that such. And we just kept data mapping it and process mapping it. And then we would go out and we would say, okay, here are our thoughts. And this is what we want to do. Here's our concept. And at the same time, I was also talking to people that were in the banking industry that ran banks and or invested heavily in banks that had banks as part of their whole line of business said, here's our concept. Here's our approach. Here's how we think it will work together. So build your company first, then write code. So we didn't write code for two plus years. We didn't have an MVP. We didn't even have an engineer on staff because it wasn't important to us. But then once we did that, we soft launched. And then that was, and then we did more of a scaled launch, but still not a big splash. And we started that in October, 2019. And today, as you and I talk, we've signed 70 different financial institutions onto the platform, including five publicly traded banks. Some are very vocal about that. I'm sure we'll talk about Valley, et cetera. We have 1500 unique cannabis businesses conducting transactions and uh, deposit uh, relationships with those uh, said financial institutions. And they're operating in 34 states because by beginning with the end in mind and focusing on the details of the, the data, the transaction level detail, that's what enables you to scale, look at compliance, grow the company, and to keep the FIs satisfied that compliance is in fact the core tenant of what you have built. The rest yeah. just radiates out from that. Yeah, I get it. Before I kind of dig into the what, what problems you're actually solving for in the industry, I, I'm always kind of curious, folks that have significant experience in other industries coming into cannabis, you know, what, what did you, like, what was sort of directly transferable kind of in terms of experience you've had, you know, in leadership roles in other industries? Coming into cannabis, what didn't translate so well? What, what, did, what did you get surprised by in terms of you know, how cannabis is different than other industries, if anything. Give me a little sense of the, the compare and contrast. Sure. So I've, I've grown high, high uh, you know, growth teams before, you know, from small to 100 million plus rate and, and, and very quickly. Again, based upon the problem that you're solving, then the team gets built around that. One of the things I did back to that original composition book, which may one day end up in the Smithsonian, um, <laughs> the basement of the Smithsonian, because I'll leave it there. But yeah. nonetheless... One of the things that I did is, you know, when I was looking at the industry and the point of sale and the regulatory environment, I, I was looking at the how do you map the supply chain of commerce on top of the supply chain of the plant? So in other words, you know, it's put in the ground, it's grown, it's cultivated, it's manufactured, it's extracted, et cetera, it becomes finished product, it goes to a consumer, all of those. Those are all different touch points. The goal of Green Check was never just a single solve a dispensary sale into a banking relationship. It was always much bigger than that. And so I took the supply chain of commerce over the supply chain of the plant, point of sale, seed to sale, because again, I was looking at that, and then extracted that forward or pushed it forward and say, okay, with this data and with this ingestion of this data, what are the rule sets that need to be applied? So by license type, by geography, by product set, by by patient, by adult, et cetera, all that. And then what it needs to happen so that financial institutions are satisfied, not strictly on the reputational risk. They lead with that, but that's dissipated dramatically. 
It was most important for them is how do they know they're letting good money in and keeping bad money out at a summary level? It's as simple as that. And that was the that had to be the door opener for the FI. And then again, prove how it would work at scale from a reporting, examiner satisfaction, reputational risk, risk assessment, liquidity, concentration ratios, all the other nuances of it. And so that data puzzle, complex data puzzle, what's available, what's needed, how's it adjusted, where does it go, how's it used? I love thinking in that abstracts. And so we were able to do that. The thing that I did not know, and I wasn't an expert, I've sold to financial institutions before. I never sat in the, in a, in the chair of a banker. And yeah. so while thinking you understand how their lives work, et cetera, you know, I wasn't in their shoes. And those are the those are the skill sets that we really had to hire and beef up and then bring into the company to say, okay, you think that's important, but let me tell you what really is needed. And so back to begin with the end of mind, I knew what I didn't know. And so that's why we took two plus years to design it before we actually wrote a line of code. And what I learned over that period of time and what I still learn today, which is one of the best parts about this current job and role in company is amazing. What, and what, um, I mean, just give us a sense of like, what, what is that problem that you're solving? So you've got the financial institutions, you've got, you know, businesses in the cannabis space. What, why are, why is this sticky? Why is it problematic? I mean, why is this different from other industries? Give us a little kind of the kind of dynamics that you work with and then how you've gone about really kind of solving this for, for both sides of the equation. Well, in, there isn't another industry that, you know, if you want to operate in a cash only world, you know, you can do that, but it, it's very expensive yeah. and, it, you know, it's risky, et cetera. And so here, you know, let's put the federal illegality aside. OK, it's a fact. It's a cornerstone, but nobody's building the house upon that. Right. We have all these states that have put these programs together saying we're willing to do this. And the federal government through FinCEN and some other things have said, OK, we're going to watch, but, you know, do what you're doing. But we're going to be involved over here. So we're going with, OK, this is where the market is and this is where it's going. Let's focus on these state programs and how to do it. But still, you know, it's a it was a supply demand problem. The demand, as we talked about here, has always been there. Cannabis businesses want access to financial and business services, not just strictly depository accounts, but you yeah. you have to you have to solve the problem. What's that foot in the door? What's that wedge opener that you have? And that's that depository account control and visibility. So that became our focal point in the beginning. And so we had to when we looked at this always from a financial institution perspective, you know, you know, can you do this? How would you do it? Why would you do it? And those became the three you know, pillars of which we were trying to build everything upon. And candidly, in the beginning, Bruce, I had it wrong. I had it in the wrong order. Oh, really? So what was, what was, how did you get it wrong? Well, so, you know, and I, I'm disappointed in myself sometimes that it took so long to have the light bulb go off or for the pile of rocks to land on my head is, <laughs> you know, no, nobody invests in software if they don't understand why they should. Yeah. Right. And so when you give somebody the reason why they'll always want to figure out how. So the can is still continues to be a conversation point, right? Where people are like, oh, federally illegal. I mean, you still, you still go to certain bankers and say, I'd like to talk to you about cannabis. And you don't even get to the second word. Right? Hands <laughs> up, both <laughs> hands, like, stop. We're stopping it right there. Uh, no, yeah. never going to happen. But no, putting the can aside, okay, 
you know, if you give people a reason why, and you have to show them what it means to that particular financial institution. That was a big lesson learned, and it was a shift, and it was a pivot point for us, not because we weren't doing it, but we had to give it context. Yeah. And what I mean is, you know, people talk, throw these numbers around all the time, right? Oh, the cannabis percentage, $25 billion, $40 billion, $80 billion, whatever the total addressable market is. You can't go to a banker, and I always use Toledo, Ohio, because I have a great affinity for Toledo, Ohio. <laughs> you can't go to a banker in Toledo, Ohio, and say, you know, it's a $30 billion industry. You know, the eyes glaze over. What does that mean for me? You can't go to a woman and say, it's a $6 billion, whatever the actual market number is in Ohio, and say, it's $6 billion in Ohio. What does it mean for me? Yeah. No, you have to give them the context. And once you do that, and you're having a conversation about what the opportunity is and why it could be important to them, uh, in totality from a program opportunity, then if they get to back to the why with compliance, senior leadership and the board, and they can come to a common alignment, then they're like, you know what, let's look at this. And then what does that process look like? How could we do that? So we had to resequence things based upon a lot of education and data points that we brought through. We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. And what was the sort of the argument? Because I know I mean, a lot of the kind of financial folks, at least three, four, five years ago, was, yeah, it's a, you know, potentially a big market, but the other markets are so huge and we don't want to risk the rest of our business or we don't want to over-concentrate cannabis. Like how, how did you kind of create a, an attractive business case for them from a bank point of view to really do the work to figure out how to service this industry? We built the pro forma model with them. We position that as as an activity that we do with them internally in their team. So we have data points and we have knowledge of what the market size is like. We actually pull their call sheets and we build a five-year pro forma financial model uh, with them. We look at size of market, concentration of market, average sales, what type of clients would you be interested in? What products and services are you interested yeah. in? What's the timing of that? You know, are these numbers realistic? I mean, you know, you can't say it's a $50 million, back to context, you can't say it's a $50 million market opportunity and there's two dispensaries in the town or yeah. the geography they cover. Because, you know, for us, it's financial institutions, our banks and credit unions were, you know, institution agnostic as the mm -hmm. industry should be. And so, and you can't say it's this number and there's nobody there for them yeah. to serve because everything we do everything we do is performance-based. Yeah. So if the FI is has a successful program, Green Shack will make some money. I don't want shelfware. The shelfware doesn't serve anybody any purpose. And yep. so we run that potential with every client. If they don't implement, we just have an open door, but no, no commerce coming through. So yeah. we want to make sure that all interests are aligned and then how do we best serve them? And that's also why we make the platform, everything around the platform, 100% free to the cannabis businesses. We've never charged them. We're never going to charge them. So it's all for that. You're, you're basically providing a service to the bank, to the institutions to be able to service this industry. It allows them to be able to participate in a, in a way that works for their their clients and business models. Mm -hmm. What... Um, so now that you made the business case, like what, how did you actually solve some of these problems? Like what were the, what were the challenges that the banks were having to service the cannabis industry and how did you solve those? Well, it, it rolls back to the beginning, right? You know, two independent and yet highly independently, highly regulated in industries that would like to work together, but how, okay. So, you know, 
what do, what is a cannabis business? Yeah. You know, financial institution. You know, we have our preconceived perceptions and stereotypes. Unfortunately, exist because they're they're true, but <laughs> they also they actually get in the way. Right. Versus, so how do you how do you identify a cannabis account? How do you enable it, and how do you onboard it? And you know, for the cannabis side. Why is this bank asking me so many questions? And yeah. why do they want to see so many documents? Because you have that highly entrepreneurial nature of the cannabis industry where they may never have had a commercial bank account before and they don't understand what has to happen and in a high risk industry. So, you know, and that just can't be paper pushing. And it's not just about document management, right? It has to be an intelligent process. And you have to be able to, you know, as is the case with everything, remove the points of friction so that mm -hmm. things progress ahead. So it has to be easy. It has to be intuitive, but it has to be comprehensive. And say, so you have to create, we had to design and create those workflows because here are state compliant businesses, check those boxes, beneficial ownership. What's your workflow? What's their workflow? What are the rules and regulations and how does it all get on a platform so that an FI can effectively look and invent the market? But once you open the account, that's kind of the easy part, right? And then it comes down to, okay, now the money's going to start flowing. Mm -hmm. And how do I know that this money that's being presented to me is good money and not the bad money? And so that back to the heart of Green Check, you know, the central nerve uh, system is our compliance rules engine, of which we filed multiple patents against. And so we pull that information from the CRB series of API keys, it's it's pretty invisible, candidly, okay. how it works, Bruce. We pull, their, pull the data and we run it up against what are the rules and regulations in place for that license type, for that product, for that sale, for that person, for that payment at that exact point in time to say, this is state compliant. It's up within the federal guidelines. It's within the policies and risk procedures of your financial institution you can go ahead and accept this as a deposit. But you can then you have to aggregate that data. And so at the end of the day, the CRB, you know, the business owner, remotely or otherwise, log in, looks, and I'll make the math simple. You know, did a hundred thousand dollars in sales, ninety-eight thousand eight hundred dollars was compliant, things happen, mistakes were made, data was missing on a transaction, max deposit, we handle we handle the data uh, the data transfer. The cash mode of transportation for the cash and the deposit, the information gets put to the financial institution. They review everything. They make sure the deposit ticks and ties because it may go directly to accounting house. Some instances it goes to the Fed, goes to a different branch. Everything's nicey nice. They know they have a pending deposit. They accept it. Everybody gets notified. And the cannabis businesses love this, right? Because when cash leaves the building, you're kind of like, all right, where is it? And it's not my account, it's not my yeah. account. Now they have this visibility, which greatly enhances them. They're not sitting there banging on QuickBooks all day, trying to sync their bank account because they get notified in advance. Oh. And so that helps them. And then on the FI side, it handles all the work they need to do in terms of filing their suspicious activity reports, currency yep. transaction reports, and monitoring the accounts, which is critical. Yeah. What's not only the health of the deposit, but the health in the relationship of the account. And this is why we're seeing more and more FIs actually start to lend into the cannabis industry because the track records are being established yeah. and the proof points are there for them. Yeah. And this is why, I mean, like, I think so many financial institutions early in the game were charging pretty exorbitant rates for 
depository accounts just because they had so many reporting requirements and things that they needed to be able to, you know, obviously, you know, compensate or, or have the have the resources to be able to do that. Is that changed? I mean, are, are these the fees associated with banking cannabis businesses coming back to kind of industry standards or where are we on that side? They're definitely coming down and, in, in, you know, on a state by state basis. And in some instances, even down at a sort of a, a regional perspective, you're seeing more price pressure because you're seeing more financial institutions get into this space. You're seeing more solutions, you know, air quotes, being applied to it. You're seeing manual programs that uh, examiners are looking at and requiring more automation, which is causing the shift. And at some point in time, you know, eventually fee revenues will dissipate and, you know, very, very potentially go to near zero. And, you know, that would be the utopian view. Now, you may find that not something I should be saying based upon who we are as a, as a company, but it's facilitating that commerce because banks aren't, they started out looking at fee revenue. They're realizing the value of the deposits, the value of the relationship, and the extension of that relationship is worth much, much more. So lending to this industry is also out there, but there are some serious rates that have been applied. Now you're seeing now you're seeing true loans, you know, above what would you would expect for you know somebody with a solid credit space. There is still a high risk industry, but you're not seeing it in those crazy double digit numbers or yeah. high double digits or beyond. You're seeing something reasonable. And what's also the one of the really coolest byproduct, a lot of those old notes that are out there are crazy money. Yep. They're being refinanced are and they? washed yeah. out. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, I can see that. So what are some of the other services? Because I mean, I mean, you mentioned that it's, you know, we kind of depository accounts is kind of the the, the wedge, but what, what else are banks now starting to provide um, cannabis companies in terms of, you know, loans, uh, factoring, things like that? Like what, what are what are some of the things we're now getting into for cannabis? Well, access to capital and, and you know, that kind of has a broader a broader definition, right? You know, there there are, you know, there's loans, there's merchant cash advances, there's uh, leasing, uh, leasing transactions, depending on the type of cannabis business. Because again, you know, this isn't strictly focused on just the dispensary side, back to yeah. the supply chain of commerce. And uh, for a lot of our FIs and part of our scale of the CRB numbers is when they open that dispensary account, they're like, okay, who do you buy your product from? Okay. And where does that where does that supplier manufacturer buy their uh, raw materials from, et cetera? So the FIs are now banking the supply chain of commerce because of the single relationship touch point in the beginning, and it's all being done in one platform. And so now they've opened up their the aperture of their opportunity dramatically. And so access to capital is one. Uh, payroll services, you know, again, eliminating that operational headache is another. We're seeing assets under management or interest-bearing accounts becoming, it's not a lot of money, okay? Yep. But when, when you shift from paying for your, put your money someplace to actually <laughs> getting paid to have your money in, in the <laughs> cannabis industry, I mean, that that's kind of mind-blowing for a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. And so we're seeing that. But, you know, it still comes down to, you know, the friction levels, right? How do you remove the friction levels? Because 
God bless the folks that run these cannabis businesses. But if you think about it, I mean, this is worse than running a restaurant. You know, oh. the time, the time, the time associated with opening the store, operating the store, closing the store, it leads to this endless list of I'll do that tomorrow conversations. I will find a better banking relationship tomorrow. I will find a payroll provider tomorrow. I will look at insurance differently tomorrow because that's another big sector because it was all born out of I need something boy, this is painful. I'm going to swallow this pill. I'm going to stroke this big check. But you know, at the end of the day, you just want to go home because you know you got to come back tomorrow the next yeah. day. And so part of what we, we are enabling with the CRBs uh, via the marketplace aspect that we've been developing in conjunction with them, et cetera, is you know, we already have all this information. Okay, Use it and present it to the people who actually want to provide, back to the beginning, financial and business services to you. You know, how do you effectively establish those relationships? And because your bank and now all these providers know the method by which they're going to be paid, because they don't want to be paid in cash either. But that's yeah. a scene in the ads. That's a ripple effect down the line. Sorry, I curse, but it is. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're like, okay, these are the kind of businesses we want to talk to. So we've created this, you know, people like to use the term flywheel network effect. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we call it something different. It's actually a cyclone. Okay, because the more FIs, the more CRBs, the more of both of those, the more business services that the FI may want to provide or if they opt out because they don't want to provide lending. It still makes all those uh, options and services available to the CRB because you're not exclusively tied to your FI. They said they don't want to do it. They're happy with this relationship. But if you want to do some of those other things, here are vetted, curated, trusted partners that we can integrate with you, establish that quick, connected, data-driven relationship, and now you're going to get a better service and a better price point because they know you're compliant, they know you can pay them, and they everybody doesn't have to sit around pushing data all over the place because the platform enables that for you. Yep. Cool. And um, where do you see this industry going? I mean, we've got you know various efforts underway to kind of change some of this you know, uh, Safe Banking Act and, you know, changing some of the things that are going to sort of drive how banking is done for cannabis. Do you see that stuff having a big impact? Do you see it actually taking place? I mean, what's your what's your kind of view of what we might be seeing in finance and cannabis over the next couple of years? It will definitely have a big impact. But I think from my seat and in talking to a lot of other people, I think people are either grossly overestimating the impact in one yeah. direction and really dramatically underestimating the impact. So let's, you know, the big one is safe, right? Safe Banking Act. People like to talk about that all the time. Okay, it is going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen in even 2022, candidly. It's going to become yeah. another election issue, as it always does. I'm going to do something, vote for me, and then what happens? Nothing. And you know, there's a few other more pressing issues going on <laughs> <laughs> nationwide than, you know, than that. pretty booked right now, yeah. Yeah, however... When it happens, okay, we're at the low bar of BSA, or the Bank Secrecy Act and anti-money laundering. We're at the low bar today. First off, Washington is never going to make anything easy. You know, everybody talks about deregulation, just simply not going to happen. The reason being, especially for cannabis, is the amount of interagency dependency associated with this industry is unlike anything else that they're trying to tackle now, right? So you have treasury. You have justice, you have DEA, you have USDA, you have the FTC, you have the SEC. You know, it's the alphabet soup. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, that interplay, okay, 
that's going to take a long time. So even once Congress says, yes, we're going to finally do this with something, okay, you know, that's going to take a long time. The rules and regulations that are going to come out of this are going to take even longer. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't get turned on. And so, you know, but the positive effect is right now, because people are seeing this inevitability and because these state programs are there, because the industry is growing so well, and because financial institutions are always under pressure to perform, you're seeing more and more financial institutions look at this and the type of financial institution is moving upstream. You know, to, to have a bank like Valley, the 30th largest bank in the United States, okay, to publicly talk about cannabis as a driver for their growth and to have just launched a payments app to the cannabis industry. If you had said that to anybody, even even six months ago, never mind, never mind at the first of the year and said, okay, who wants to put money down on the table that this is going to happen? Yeah. You know, I, I wish, yeah, it is changing dramatically. And that is a leadership position because now other people look at it and go, all right, what do they know that we don't know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a strategic advantage, right? If you can figure it out faster than mm-hmm. the competition, you can get first to market on those things. And it's, it is, it's, it's a significant opportunity and it's huge to grow. So. But it, the cool part about all that too, Bruce, is that you look at it on a community basis, right? A credit union or a community bank in any of these areas, they can offer the same level of services that a valley does to their constituency that a valley can't, right? Because valley's not everywhere. Valley's yep. dealing with the MSOs, but you know it's gone through exam. It's gone through exceptional scrutiny. It's showing that it scales. And back to Toledo, Ohio, right? Hold on yeah. a second. I can do this. Valley's doing it nationally. Yeah. Let me, let, hey, folks, let's circle our heads. Let's fight for this. this and yeah. Let's figure this out. And so it's having this wonderful, you know, pebble into the into the lake, right? Yeah. You know, where do the ripples go? And then. What, what, how does it envelop and encircle other people to be included? Kevin, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, more about Green Check Verified, what's the best way to get that information? Uh, khart, K-H-A-R-T, at greencheckverified.com. And our website is greencheckverified.com. We try to keep it simple. Yeah, I'll make sure that the links are in the show notes. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Great conversation. I really appreciate it, Kevin. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, I really enjoyed it. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.